Well, good morning. I'm really happy to be home and uh, able to share with you this morning. Um, grateful to this congregation for the way it has continued to just uh, really support me financially and in prayer as a missionary sent out. And I um, just want to say a big thank you to you for that. It was such a privilege to take an eight-week sabbatical. It was refreshing and uh, I learned so many lessons. I felt like each day the Lord had a new lesson for me uh, to learn. And overall, I think I understood my sabbatical time as a time of uh, learning again what it means to be uh, walking in step with the Holy Spirit. During the first two weeks of our sabbatical, Carol and I took a camping trip up to the northeast. Uh, one Sunday we visited Adirondack Bible Chapel. We'd never met them before, but the service was really great. The people were warm and friendly, and uh, we must have learned the names of 20 people by the end of the uh, first service. We went back to our campsite, and I had no intentions of going back. It was a nice experience, but Carol was insistent that we go back for the evening service where they were going to have communion, and I think she was being led by the Holy Spirit. The message that evening was from 1 Corinthians 1.23. We preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. And it really touched me. And I felt like the very first lesson I learned on my sabbatical was always preach the cross. And I would have missed it without Carol insisting that we go. Um, a good part of my sabbatical was spent hiking in northern Spain on El Camino de Santiago. It's an ancient Christian pilgrimage route where Christians have been hiking since the 9th century. Uh, to commemorate or remember the martyrdom of St. James, who was crucified in uh, Jerusalem. I walked through fields and farms and cities, uh, and everywhere I went I saw crosses. Crosses on top of government buildings and churches and every cemetery and in farmers' fields and along the road in the middle of nowhere. So it was a pretty big part of my experience. Uh, large parts of Spain, you might know, were ruled by the Muslims. For about 800 years, Spain was a largely Muslim country. But the section where I was hiking had never, uh, Islam had never extended to that part. When I got home, I had one week of sabbatical left, and I used that time to create this piece of art trying to express with images what I didn't know how to express with words and use my hands instead of my typing on the computer. And it was, it was for me, it was really a delightful experience to do that. Uh, the pilgrim there, um, underneath the pilgrim is written uh, from Psalm 84, verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And I understood that on my pilgrimage, each time as I took a step forward, I walked 315 kilometers, each step was a step toward Jesus. And um, I'm, I'm wondering how I can carry that on into my, my life here back in Pennsylvania. The pilgrim is walking and he's got his eyes on Jesus. And not a, in the carving, the pilgrim has his eyes on this dove uh, representing the Holy Spirit. And underneath in the middle section there, you can't see it on the screen, but it says, keep in step with the Spirit from Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. 
And finally, in the last image is the cross. And it has the verse from Galatians 2.20 that says, I've been crucified in Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this is actually a scripture that's been my life verse since I was 19. And I've, I've, I've lived my whole life wondering, why is this verse important to me? How can it possibly be true? And desiring to live into that. Uh, it's always been a real challenge to me. I want to talk about the cross as a symbol before we get into the text of the scripture text. And the cross as a symbol is actually a very complicated and um, difficult symbol. Um, most often, when we talk about the cross in church, we're often thinking of uh, Jesus died on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins to set us free and allow us to, to um, live a new life in him um, and eventually join him in heaven. That's often what we think of when we think of the cross. The cross is a way we are set free from our sins and, and offered new life. And yes, it is. But today, I want to consider Jesus' invitation to take up our cross and follow him. In Jesus' time, his original hearers very well could have watched people carrying their own cross on their way to crucifixion. Hundreds of people were crucified in Galilee under the Roman Empire. People were crucified in Jerusalem. So when Jesus told his disciples, take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, their minds, they would have instantly thought of people they had probably seen either carrying their cross or crucified in their, in, under the Roman rule. So this was not a nice image that they would have had in their mind when Jesus gave them this invitation. You know, we might think of take up your cross and we, we say, oh yeah, I know we have a pretty cross in our church. But in their mind, they were thinking of something quite gory and ugly. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, German theologian, ethicist he wrote in the cost of discipleship when christ calls a man he bids him come and die the cross is an instrument of death we could talk about martyrdom but that's really pretty far removed from our experience our situation here in eastern pennsylvania we must instead talk about something that's even harder and more significant dying to ourselves Something that must happen if we're to experience the fullness of being a disciple of Jesus. And I might add here, as I already hinted at, this message is about something that I struggle with. I'm fairly strong and proud. I like to do my own thing. I tell people I like to do my own thing. Um, I like my own way. And so... The invitation to die to yourself, deny yourself, and take up the cross is, is not, a, not, not something, you'll hear me say several times, it's not something I actually like. I find it hard. Now, a little more about the cross. One, it was a Roman tool for execution, public humiliation, and a slow, torturous death to intimidate the population. It was cruel, a warning you must submit to us. The cross also says Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus conquered 
death, but he, was, he died a, a terrible death, was tortured, and yet the cross says Jesus, Savior of the world, means new life is possible. There's, there's something beyond that because we know that our lives are transformed by Christ and the resurrection tells us about that. The cross has been used for many, many centuries as a symbol of conquest. So in the year 313, Constantine said, I had a dream that in this sign we would conquer. And he goes on to make uh, Christianity the, the religion of the Roman Empire. And it's a symbol of oppression. The Spanish Inquisition, for a couple hundred years, interrogated people under the cross. Uh, in the New World, the Spanish conquest of the New World, they actually forced people to convert to Christianity, holding the cross over them. So the cross is a very complicated and controversial thing if you think about it in its context in a world, in, in, our, in the larger world, and not just inside our Christian box of how we think about the cross. It's been used as a symbol of racism in America. Uh, you've probably seen images of uh, burning crosses. And uh, it's been used as an anti-Muslim symbol in Europe where Serbians uh, destroyed and burned villages, uh, Muslim villages, so Serbian Christians burning Muslim villages and then planting crosses in the ashes. So when, I, when we say, take up your cross and follow me, a lot of people in the world are going to say, wait, wait, I know some really bad things about the cross. So what is this really all about is what I hope to get into as we look at this text further. I was invited to preach this message as part of the fight, uh, Flight Nor Fight series. And the, the original title that Carl gave me was, If Not War, Then What? And my response was, The Way of the Cross. With its complicated history, what does it mean to preach the cross, to take up the cross? What really is the way of the cross? If you have your Bible handy, you could open up to Mark 8, verse 31 and following. I'm going to go back to the text now. So Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's talking about himself, must suffer, be rejected and killed. Peter didn't want this. He didn't even want Jesus to talk like this. His interest was in a powerful and conquering Messiah. He didn't want the suffering servant from the book of Isaiah. Peter didn't want this cross. And yet, and Jesus' response to Peter is, you're only thinking about this in human ways. You've got merely human concerns, Jesus said. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus wasn't going to let Satan, through Peter, stop him. In verse 34, the, Jesus then calls the crowd to him and speaks to the crowd and his disciples. Anyone, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. If you read the same story in the book of Luke, it says daily. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. 
If you want to save your life, Jesus said, you'll lose it. You must lose it. If you lose your life for Jesus, you'll save it. We often, again, we often think about this, this must somehow be something about martyrdom. And it is. But there's a lot of other ways you could lose your life for Christ. You can lay down your desires. You can give up your wealth. You can give up your privilege. Um, St. Francis had an ongoing conflict with his family about wealth and inheritance, and his father didn't like his behavior, and then he took some of his father's uh, uh, cloth and sold it to use it for a church project, and he was brought before a judge for you know, somehow stealing his, from his own family business. And his response was that he took off all his clothes and walked out naked. He said, I give up everything because I'm going to follow what God has called me to do. So he gave, he gave up his inheritance and his privilege. Jesus said, I tell you, some of you standing here will not taste death before you see the power of God come. The kingdom of God come with power. The way of the cross is very closely connected with the kingdom of God coming in power. I understand this to say that those who deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus, these are true disciples. They will indeed see and experience the kingdom of God coming in power in their life and their community. Why? Because they've given up themselves, they've given up their own will. And they've allowed Christ to live in them and they're transformed and they're aligned with his purposes. So now they are vessels ready to do God's kingdom work in their community. And so they'll get to see the kingdom come in power. What does it mean to deny yourself? I'm going to start with a story. And it's my own father. Sometime when I was in high school... I called my mom yesterday afternoon, and so we think possibly 1984, so my dad would have been 40 or 41, depending when it happened. It was a winter night. My family heated our house with wood. My mom said the fire was dying down and the house was getting cold, and instead of praying together, I don't know where they normally did, they climbed into bed to pray under the covers because it was cold. But my dad and mom were angry and upset. Because my dad had just told her, if this is all that church is about, I quit. I don't want it anymore. And that made my mom feel afraid. And for whatever reason, mom said my dad got back out of bed and knelt by the edge of the bed to pray. And as soon as he did that, he heard a very strong voice, a strong inner voice that said, die to yourself. Mom says his life was totally changed in that moment. And she gave me a list of things that, quit, that happened. He developed a passion for reading the Bible. He quit arguing and fighting with her. And he started talking about Jesus with other Christians, as well as engaging in evangelism at work and anywhere else he felt the Holy Spirit leading him. 
he did this so much he made other people uncomfortable. And um, including people at our church. Um, yeah. I remember. I also remember this radical change. Like all my life I've gotten up and my dad was out doing chores or doing some kind of work. And suddenly, and he never told us what had happened, but suddenly every morning when I got up, I found my dad sitting at the dining room table reading his Bible. And uh, my, my father really did change. Um, and it's only years later that I found out uh, about this uh, die-to-yourself message that the Lord had given him. You might ask me, how do you die to yourself? And I'm going to have to confess, I don't know. But I know it's a surrender. It's a giving over your will to Jesus. Now, there's a lot of Bible passages that talk about dying to yourself that go along with the one we've already been working in. Matthew 18, 3 says, Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the verse I have hanging in my office right now. Little children are innocent and vulnerable. They rely on their parents to care for them and protect them. That's part of giving yourself over to Jesus. Saying, I give up my own need to protect myself and get my own way. I trust that my Heavenly Father is going to do that for me. And Matthew 20, verses 26 to 28 say, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Following Jesus means being slaves and servants and laying down our lives for others. In John 12, it says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there's that dying word again, it remains only a single seed. And every farmer in our congregation and every gardener knows how true this is. You take seeds and you plant them in the ground and the thing you planted, you're never going to see it again. It's going to be used up, but you produce all this new seed. If it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Wow. And anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. I said, wow, because that goes against every grain in my being. I love myself. I like my life. I like my family. I like my I like liking myself. I'm selfish. And the word of God says very clearly anyone who loves their life will lose it. The problem we have is that we desire to protect ourselves. We want to make ourselves greater and guard our hard-earned possessions. We we want to be respected. We Uh, we want all these things and Jesus confronts it directly. If you love your life, you're going to miss out on eternal life. Only by hating your life, by dying, by giving over your will to him can you have eternal life. Luke's telling of this same teaching says, take up your cross daily. Paul said, I die daily. 
In one sense, this sounds painful. You mean I have to die over and over? Yes, you do. But this reminder that dying to self, taking up the cross and following Jesus is a daily choice is also a relief for me because it means it's not a one-time thing. I have to get it right perfectly right now. I take the step as far as I know I take that step now. And tomorrow I'm going to do the same thing and the day after I'm going to keep making that choice. So there's hope even for me with all the mistakes I've made. Today I choose again to deny myself and follow. Tomorrow I'll have the same choice and the day after. There's no once and done in discipleship in the way of the cross of Jesus. What does it mean to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus? Perhaps there's nothing more definitive about what it means to be an Anabaptist Christ follower than the commitment to follow Jesus. We understand ourselves to be disciples of Jesus. And if we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him, we're committing to a way of life that is contrary to our natural desires. It's contrary to the way People everywhere think that you should and can live. Jesus had the power to defend himself. He chose not to. Jesus was the king of all, and yet he became a servant. Jesus chose the way of the cross for himself. And so he wasn't inviting us to something he hadn't already chosen and was going to do himself. If we take up our cross and follow Jesus... We must renounce self and renounce the use of violence. That's what it means. If you're going to copy Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you do the things that Jesus did. Only Jesus can absorb all the sin and violence of the world and be victorious. I'm not suggesting in any way that you and I become saviors. We can't do what Jesus did in that sense. What I'm talking about is our starting point for engaging the world. How we position ourselves as we look at the world, as we look at the life we live in our community. What's your starting point? I'm talking about options and choices that start long before you enter some kind of difficult or dangerous situation. Choosing the way of the cross is a radical shift. It's a complete reordering of your commitments A death to self to be alive in Christ. Again, St. Francis of Assisi was someone who took this seriously. And very literally, he opposed the Crusades. So much so that he went on one of the Crusades, all the way protesting and telling people they shouldn't be fighting. Getting in trouble all along the way. And then crossing the battle lines to go meet with the Muslim sultan Malik al-Kamil to tell him the gospel because he hoped that somehow if he told this other enemy commander about the gospel, he might find a way to bring peace. He was not successful. But he lived a life that uh, one writer, Simon Tugwell, called a radically unprotected life. And others have called this life the cruciform life. Living your life in the shape of a cross. That I've crucified my own desires and myself, and I'm going to live in a way that Christ is living in and through me. 
My basic message for this morning is really this. What you should take away. Die to yourself and live for Christ. This is what it means to take up one's cross and follow him. When we do this, then all concerns about protecting ourselves fade into the background, and this frees us to pursue God's calling without fear or hesitation. I'm going to repeat myself. What I said is I'm talking about our starting point, our posture as we engage the world around us. The way of the cross is a really radical shift that's different. It's a reordering, and it goes against your natural desires. So I, and probably many of you, want to engage the world from a position of strength. And I can show you that in my body posture. I, have, I take an athletic pose. I raise my hands to protect myself. My fists are closed. I'm alert and I look around. I want to make sure that I don't miss any opportunity. I don't want any dangers to sneak up on me. Or in other situations, I might close my arms and say, I'm... I'm I'm not sure I trust you. I'm not going to engage with you. I close my face. We might choose to carry a weapon. Or, or all kinds of things that we do with our body and our face and our actions to show that we are concerned about ourselves and we consider the world out there dangerous. Or, or um, however you want to put it. The radically unprotected life is a very different posture. It's one where you have relaxed muscles and a smile. It's you have open hands, open arms, maybe even embrace someone or kneel. So what posture? The posture of your heart is going to be reflected in the posture of your body is what I'm telling you. What posture is Jesus calling you to adopt in your home, at work, on the street, in your neighborhood or at school? In terms of application, how do you put this in, how how do you put into action dying to yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus? Well, we have a lot of options about what we do with our body, where we travel to, where we sit, who we, who we meet. We have a lot of options about what we do and what kind of choices we make. I want to say that our witness to other Christ followers, my witness to you, what I want to call other Christ followers to, is that we would be people who go first into places where there's trouble and suffering. So you know what first responders are, right? They're the, there's an accident, and everybody, you know, the house explodes, everybody's running away from it, but the firemen are running towards it. What would that look like in our community if we were the people who were running towards or taking the first step into a place of suffering or trouble in our community? We can work at reconciliation and healing 
in those kind of situations long before it turns into violence. So if we know there's an ongoing housing problem, maybe we're the first people to take steps to go and find a way to resolve that housing problem in our community. It's an example. Another thing we can do is we can speak clearly about injustice. We have a long biblical tradition. The prophets pointed out the places where there was injustice in their community and said, somebody needs to change. We need to do something about this because we want God's blessing to enter our community. Something that we've been doing for a long time as Mennonites, and I've had the privilege of participating in, is building international friendships. Traveling to another country and worshiping in the church of an Ethiopian or a Kenyan or a German will change your perspective of what the whole world is like. Sending our youth on youth trips is a hugely important activity. I'm glad we have the sub-fundraiser coming up. When we send our youth to do that, they see another part of the world, whether it's in the United States or elsewhere, and they move from just being concerned about themselves to now their church family includes somebody from Costa Rica or, I don't know the places we've gone, Philadelphia or other places. Part of dying to ourselves is saying, we're going to quit having this little shell that's me and us, and we're going to invite a whole lot of other people into that space. So whether it's international, whether it's here in America where we have such tremendous problems with race, building relationships across those lines, wherever we are, we should be ambassadors from Christ and bear witness to the cross and all that goes with it. Die to self and open up to this wonderful world that God has called us to work in. Live a radically unprotected life. So in conclusion, the basic message is again, die to yourself, live for Christ. This is what it means to take up the cross and follow him. When we do this, our concerns about protecting ourselves will fade into the background and we'll be freed up to pursue God's calling without fear or hesitation. One way that you can respond to this message is that after the service, after communion, when you go out in the lobby, you'll find a large wooden cross, some paper cards, hammer, and nails. You can write your name on the card and you can tack it onto the cross as a way of saying, Today I'm choosing that I want to die to myself and follow Jesus. If you're watching online, and even if you're here, you might also want to go home and uh, draw a large cross on a piece of paper and write your name on it and put it on your refrigerator. Another option. Taking up your cross daily is an ongoing thing. Death to self and picking up crosses all sounds terribly harsh and difficult. But there's a deeper magic at work at the heart of it all. Do you remember in The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, the scene where the witch kills Aslan on the stone table? But the table breaks and Aslan's resurrected. And Aslan explains to Susan and Lucy, if she had known the deeper magic, 
she would have known that if a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed, then the deep, the, deep, the deep magic would unravel and the stone table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. So in the midst of all this dying to yourself and crosses which are harsh and, and torturous, there's a deeper magic that when you die to yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus, that's when the life of Jesus begins to spring up inside you and overflow. That's where the hope is. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Death to self leads to transformed life, new life, abundant life, in which we live by the Spirit and we keep in step with the Spirit. Following Jesus and laying down your own life in obedience to him is not easy. But if we die, his life will spring up in us. God bless you.